This podcast is brought to you by Kloss. If you're looking to get more out of your harvesting operation, there's no brighter solution than the all-new Lexion Combine. Hey folks, welcome to Machine Repeat Podcast, episode 36. Machine Repeat here. I have to apologize. We've been off for a number of months here. Um, just a unplanned break there, but uh, we've been a little busy here with our Machine Repeat business. You've maybe seen that we launched our own uh, monthly online auction, and I want a big shout out. Thank you for everyone uh, for uh, our first auction back there in August. August 17th was, was a fantastic success. Um, Tons of equipment and sellers from all over the country went very well. And our next sale is coming up on Tuesday, September 21st. Uh, our monthly machine repeat online auction will be the third Tuesday of every month. So keep that in mind. I'll throw some reminders out there on social media. But uh, again, we sh- we've got a nice looking lineup of equipment coming on the 21st. But uh, I've been really anxious to get back to the podcast here, uh, frankly, because uh storytelling and, and sharing stories of light uh, of interest uh, different people in the egg our egg field here is is really what lights me up almost more than anything these days i've had so much fun we're coming up on 32 years building our machine repeat business and uh, out into all the different directions it's it's gone and again thank you folks for all your support but uh the story today i, I think you're really going to enjoy uh Young man from Claremont, Iowa, Easton Halverson, uh, was last month was named the grand champion at the Iowa State Fair in the annual uh, FFA tractor restoration competition. It was actually the second time Easton has won the grand champion award uh, sandwiched around the pandemic year of 2020. Easton also won, was grand champion in 2019. Back then he won on his beautiful 1966 Oliver 1850 two-wheel drive tractor. And this summer... Uh, August of 2021, you maybe saw the Facebook and Twitter post I did, but Easton, tell you what, what a tractor. 1966 Oliver 1950 front wheel assist diesel. Um, I posted a picture of that, of Easton standing by the tractor with his two trophies and two purple grand champion ribbons on our Facebook page. And folks, I started posting on Facebook back in August of 09. So like over 12, 12 years ago, I don't know that I've had a post that is connected with more people. It was unbelievable. I think we had about almost 500 comments on the post. I think it was shared like over 600 times, pushing 10,000 likes on it. Uh, and again, I think it just resonates. One, the tractor is just freaking beautiful, uh, vintage muscle. Uh, but then also, you know, here's a young guy, a junior in college at Viterbo studying uh, medicine, uh, in lacrosse there and busy young guy but with a passion for this restoring tractors bringing them back to to new and I, our guest on the podcast today is easton halverson and it, i tell you i've done a lot of interviews over the years uh, this interview super fun and it's just uh, talking to young people that are going places doing things pushing with a heart for our egg past uh it just I just love it. And I know you will too. So let's let's get right to that interview with Easton Halverson from Claremont, Iowa. Gloss products are an engineered mix of efficiency, precision, convenience, and reliability, all in the same package. 
but they aren't for everyone. They're for those who know the numbers that drive their operation and are interested in making them even better. They're for those with a plan. If you plan to get more out of your farming operation, take a closer look at Kloss for brighter solutions and better business results. Contact your Kloss dealer today. Well, folks, I'm pleased to be joined by our guest on this podcast, Easton Halverson from Claremont, Iowa. Easton, how are you doing today, buddy? Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. It's, it's not every day I get to talk to a two-time Iowa uh, grand champion uh, FFA tractor restoration guy like yourself. So <laughs> congratulations, Easton. Uh, that was last month. Yeah, in, thank you. In August, you won the 2021 uh, annual FFA restoration, and that was with your Oliver 1950 front wheel assist diesel. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Well, 1966 model. Yep. 66. And that was your second grand championship. Um, of course, the Iowa State yep. Fair, I think, was off for COVID in 20, but you also won in 19 with your 66 model Oliver 1850, right? Yep, yep. So the 1850 was in 1966, or it was in, uh, yeah, in 2019, that was also a 66 model. And then, yep, and then here in 2021, because of COVID, so I didn't take it in 2020, but okay. uh, 2021, I brought the 1950s, and, and it's also a 1966 model. Okay. Yeah, one both times, yep. So 1966, that's, uh, you're a youngster, but that's that's a good year for you, Easton. Yeah, yeah, I should stick with the 66s, I guess. <laughs> that's good. Well, Easton, uh, it seems like yesterday when we met, but I, I can't believe it was three years ago this month when I came down to uh, West Union there uh, at the Drew's farm, uh, Joanne and Vaughn had your group out with the North Fed Valley High School FFA group, and we did that fun YouTube video, and you were actually the first first in line, the first uh, student I talked to, and you had a John Deere 70 there that, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Easton, was that your great-grandpa that had purchased it? Yeah, that was my great-grandpa that had bought it. I don't think he bought it new. Um, but that was a 1953 John Deere 70, and that was a tractor that we had always had on the farm um, since I since I had lived there in 2002 is when I moved there. So I was like okay. two years old is when I moved to the farm. Um, but that tractor had always sat in the back of an old machine shed. It had it had a run um, since I had been there. So the first time or getting into the restoration with my grandpa is who helped me restore that one. And you're- um, when we first got it running, that's the first time I had heard it run ever. Oh. Okay. Well, it was beautiful. You, you and your grandpa. And your yeah. grandpa is Roger Halverson? Yeah, it was. Yep, it was Roger Halverson's my grandpa, yep. Okay. So, yeah, you were the first uh, student. You got us rolling there on our little uh, one-hour, six-minute YouTube video walking down the line. And uh, I was impressed by your your knowledge of the project and your, your passion for the tractor, Easton. Um, and not, you were a senior in high school at the time. That was three years ago, right? Yeah, I, I was a junior, so I showed junior. that tractor the year after my junior year of high school is okay. when I showed that. So I think I was a senior. I think I had just been a senior. Like I, I think when you came down, I was a senior at the time. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And right now yep. you are going to college. You're in La Crosse, Wisconsin, correct? Yep, in La Crosse. At, at Viterbo Vi- University. Viterbo? Viterbo? Yep, Viterbo, yep. Again, I apologize to Viterbo folks. I always mispronounce that. I don't know why, but... But uh, what are you studying there at uh, Viterbo, Easton? Yeah, so my undergraduate degree is in biology with a psychology minor, and then I'm planning on going to physician assistant grad school 
after my uh, undergraduate. So I'm wow. a junior this year, um, planning on going then to med school for just two years to get my physician assistant. And not sure what where I want to go afterwards. Uh, thinking about going back to the farm um, and kind of working in the area, okay. and maybe trying to do some farming on the side mm. um, and kind of continue that as well. Um, so maybe go back to West Union and work in the hospital there or something. Sure. Maybe the thought. Um, still, obviously, that's all in the plans yet. It's nothing set in stone yet. But, right. Well, I think I um, remember when uh, we did the YouTube video three years ago, Easton, and I sort of asked you what your future plans were. You said, well, you weren't sure at the time. So what what tipped you to the medical field that you're studying now? Yeah, um, I, I have family in the medical field was one thing. And then I had actually, when I had turned 16, I had gotten my CNA license. Um, so it's just something to do outside of all the agriculture um, that I was involved in. Um, I, I, I've been told many times, like, you should just restore tractors for a living. You can make mm-hmm. a business out of it, which... Which is which is, has definitely crossed my mind, um, but it's been a really fun hobby, and I didn't really want to. Sometimes people say, "Well, you do it for a living, and it kind of ruins your hobby." So I didn't really necessarily want to sure. do that. No. Right. I just, I mean, I, I also kind of have talked to other people, and they're like, "Well, basically, you're just working on the mechanics of the of the human body now. Is all it is. It's just mechanics, just in a different way." Right. So, That's um, what it, I was. It's con- intriguing. I was kind of interested by that angle myself, Easton. Uh, I guess I live in Rochester, of course, home of the Mayo Clinic here, so a lot of my friends uh, work there. And, uh, yeah, I think the field you're going into, gosh, wherever you go, if it's back home, um, you're going to have tons of options there. And I wish you success on your on your path. Just one, one question. Have you found with your medical studies, biology and psychology in college, having done these restoration projects on these tractors, seeing them through from start when the tractor is in you know rough condition to the end product does that long-term thinking and work do you find that helpful for your studies in college oh it's yeah it's definitely helpful well i mean as you probably know and a lot of other listeners that doing something like this scope takes a lot of time and dedication mm-hmm. which that is directly applicable in the college atmosphere for sure right. um just because you, I mean, you, I mean you have to start with something and you got to see it through so it kind of teaches you more of that dedication um aspect and just staying on top of everything so i think that's where more of the um i guess overlap shows okay i would imagine maybe time management also i mean Oh, yeah, for sure. The restoration projects. I, like this last restoration, I did it on top of school. So mm. I was doing school and then doing this during my breaks, um, some weekends, some longer weekends, and then all over the summer, too. So wow. um, the 1950 was, I didn't start that one until I had actually started college. So okay. I've been working on it ever since I've been in college. So okay. The past yeah. two years. Well, let's get into the to the 1950 and I guess first again you won the grand championship there at the Iowa State Fair in 19 for your 66 Oliver 1850 so what is it about Oliver's do you have a family connection there uh, Easton yeah um, I I think there's a little bit of a family connection so the first tractor that I ever restored was the Oliver 1650 diesel so that was back in 2017 that I showed that one at the Iowa State Fair okay Um, and that was that was kind of our main hang tractor we always used that one on the farm to 
you know, we'd set up round bales with it, we'd mow, rake, bale hay, do everything with that 1650 diesel. Um, so that was my grandpa's tractor. Um, it was his first three-point tractor that he'd ever bought. He kind of took over the farm from my great-grandpa, and my great-grandpa only ever had, like, two-cylinder John Deere's on the farm. So other than really with a three-point, he needed a three-point to haul in round bales and stuff, so we bought this 1650 on auction. Okay. Um, and then my great-grandpa, at the same time, uh, actually, my great-grandpa was the one who went to the auction okay. in Farmersburg, Iowa, and he bought it for my grandpa. Hmm. Well, there was an Oliver 770 also on the auction with that 1650, and I think my great-grandpa kind of thought, well, my son-in-law is getting an Oliver, so <laughs> I got to get one, so he bought an Oliver 770 on that auction as well. Nice. And then that Oliver uh, that Oliver 770, uh, it was a narrow front, uh, but... In the 2019, when I was restoring my 1850, I was also kind of doing two projects at once. I was helping my uh, my first cousin uh, from MFL Marmax, Skyler Moser. Uh, she wanted to try restoring them, try restoring a tractor, so I was helping her hmm. a lot on that Oliver 770, so we converted that one to a wide front. And the same year that I had my uh, Oliver 1850 down there, uh, she brought that Oliver 770 down and showed that one in the first year exhibitor class to state fair. So, wow. so that, and then from there, yeah, from there it just kind of took off. Uh, we, uh, I bought that Oliver 1850. We had always wanted one. A friend or a neighbor had one, and uh, we kind of always admired that Perkins engine. We mm-hmm. had a, we have a 2705 Matthew with a Perkins in it, uh, and okay. we just strong running motor, so. We kind of were like, well, if we could find an 1850, that'd be a really good tractor, a little heavier, can handle round bales a little better, and you know, uh, just a little bit more power. So we found one for a reasonable price and got it bought out. It was up in northern Wisconsin, and got that one home, redid that one, finished that one, and then right after the state fair, I was just kind of looking on Craigslist for the fun of it and found this uh, 1950 front wheel assist out. In uh, Parma, Michigan, on Craigslist. Michigan. Ended up calling and making a deal over the phone. So. Parma, Michigan. Now, I I know I know some of my Michigan geography. Where in, where in Michigan is Parma? It was it's pretty uh, centralized, like right Central? in the dense center, maybe a little farther south. If I remember okay. right. So, it's a little little, little hike did from. Did dealing uh, on that one over the phone. Nice. Got it. Got it shipped home. Steve Bushman brought it home on a backhaul, so I didn't actually get to see it until we got it home. So. And what condition was it in when you bought it, Easton? Yeah, it was so. <laughs> the ad said it was a. Strong running Oliver nineteen fifty. It was kind of ironic because it wasn't. It wasn't strong running, and yeah. I don't think I don't think the guy who owned it before did that at all. It wasn't anything like that. Yeah. It, it ran, but we put it on the dyno. Put it on the dyno when I got it home, and it was only pushing out fifty five horse. Yeah. Uh, so it it wasn't strong running at all. It ran, um, yeah. and it did move, but not very well. Uh, I think the first thing that you kind of we kind of noticed about it. Um, I was actually at college when it got home on a trailer, so my dad had backed it off and drove it down the drove it down the highway. We unloaded it on a gravel and drove it down the highway home. And the power steering wasn't working right. He just was like, kind of feels underpowered to me, but he said maybe I'm wrong. Well, he ended up being right. It was underpowered. So those are the first two big two big things that we noticed is the power something wasn't there quite okay. right. Um, so did you look the at that? power wasn't shifting quite right, and then the power steering wasn't working great. So looking back two years ago to when you bought it from Michigan, Easton, uh, that first year, I mean, was that motivating to you, or were you, like, bummed out, like, oh, crap, what, what did I get here? Or how did uh, you look at it? Yeah, 
Um, I, I'd say there's like a little bit of mixed feelings. Uh, I mean, when you when you find something like that, you're like, well, shoot, that sucks because that's going to cost more money. It's going to take more time to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in time, I knew the reason I was buying it was to restore it and do it for a project. So yeah. it was also kind of kind of intriguing because I'm like, well, I'll be able to get my hands on more stuff and get into it deeper. And, Right. Uh, which that 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 it helps you out when you're at the state fair and stuff, getting more mechanical knowledge and digging into it deeper. That's what you kind of want. So and the, the so it's kind of mixed emotions. But. Okay. And the 1950s of front wheel assist. When the 1850 yep. you won two years ago, that was not that was just a two wheel drive. So yep. two wheel somewhat yep. somewhat of a rare bird there. The 1950 front wheel assist. I don't see them every day. Um, no. What? So it had its issues, and you dove into it with the time you had. Uh, tell us about yeah, the process of. I mean, because we saw the picture. And by the way, Easton, the when I posted on Facebook your 2021 Iowa Grand Champion last month, I've been on Facebook 11, 12 years now. I don't know if I've had a post get more likes and shares than that one of you standing next to it with your trophy. It was unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, tell us yeah. about the re- restoring it, what what that entailed. Yeah, restoring it was a big process. So the first thing I did, it had a cap on it, and I'll cap, and then it, has a big, it had a big match Ferguson loader on it as well. So kind of the first step was just getting that clutter off of it so we could actually dive deeper into the tractor, tear sheet metal off, identify leaks, you know, yep. and do it all, do all that stuff. So first thing is I actually started on Thanksgiving break, um, so I came home from think college on Thanksgiving break. And I, I think on Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving day, I actually was the first day that I worked on it. So I pulled the cap off of it, um, got the loader off of it. And that was kind of the first day type of a thing. And then from there I started, uh, I pulled off the sheet metal, um, and then put it on the dyno right away. So okay. put on the dyno and tried to really, you know, bog it down as much as I could and, it was only pushing 55 horse, like I said. So I was like, well, that's pretty much when you're only pushing 55 horse. It was, they're rated at 105, so yep. 50 horse short. So right. that's not something where it's just fuel settings or, you know, yep. you got to, you know, injector issues or something like that. It was, I was like, yeah, we're going to probably be doing a full motor overhaul. I kind of wanted to do one anyways because I, on that 1850, I didn't do a complete motor overhaul. I just did the top end of the motor. Okay. Um, so I was kind of looking forward to pulling cylinders and pistons um, and the crank and everything. So from there, got it, pulled into the, pulled into the shop, um, pulled the motor out of it, and uh, just kind of started tearing apart the motor was the first part of it. Yep. After I had the motor tore apart, I kind of sent in the, I sent it, sent it all in, and while I had it sent in, I kind of went through the power steering. I knew the power steering was not working right. Yep. So I ended up putting in a new power steering pump that's under the dash. Well, it was a new used one. It had an old Saginaw-style power steering unit, which I'm not a huge fan of those. I know I think quite a few Oliver guys really aren't either. Mm-hmm. Um, they side with the Charlin that was used in the later Olivers and then in your uh, like 2105 whites and 2110 and stuff. So okay. I found a Charlin power steering pump and I put that in um, while I was kind of waiting for the engine and stuff to get back. Uh, in the meantime, kind of the next issue that I realized was when I had on the dyno is that my PTO, I could not get it to shut off. So it would always spin when the tractor was running. So I tried to do all the adjustments on the 
PTO from like externally, but it could not get it stopped at all. So pretty, I pretty much figured the clutch plates and discs were wore so bad that mm-hmm. it wouldn't stop. So I think those would probably have to be replaced. So the next thing I kind of did was pulled off the tranny cover, transmission, uh, transmission cover, and then the rocker shaft cover on the rear end. Got that stuff all pulled off and uh, got the oil drained out of the rear end. It kind of, kind of came to the one of not a great day in the restoration world yeah. when I saw that my pinion shaft down below had like really bad chip teeth. Um, mm. And so I was like, well, the pinion shaft's the lowest, <laughs> the deepest shaft in the tranny, which to replace that, that requires you to pull out every single shaft, every single gear, and everything to the rear end. So you're mm. pulling out axles, you're pulling out bull gears, you're pulling out brake housings, everything. So at that day, I was like, well, this turned into, went from like a 400-hour restoration to now probably, you know, 700 hours is kind of what I figured. Major surgery. like 300 hours. So wow. went in, went in, so kind of just from that day on, just started tearing apart the transmission slowly, pulling out the input shaft. Actually, I was planning on replacing the input shaft anyways. The input shaft is the shaft that will connect to the hydropowers on these tractors, so it's what basically drives the entire transmission. Um, Mm. So it's the top shaft in the tranny. I was planning on replacing it because the splines were worn, so I was just going to replace that top shaft, and that was basically my only plan was to replace that top shaft in the tranny. Yep then do the PTO work. But then I saw that the bottom shaft was shot. So the thing about the front wheel assist is it's a mechanical front wheel assist, so it's got a longer pinion shaft in it. Um, so I had to find a longer pinion shaft because they don't make them new. So I had to find a used local pinion or a used pinion shaft along with the ring gear. It kind of goes as a match set. How tough was so that? It was it was challenging, but I've actually found one up in Minnesota. There's a guy who parts out Oliver's and just pulled one out of a 1950 front wheel. Hmm. Um, so I ended up getting a good used one. He had the set for me. No chips in the teeth, nothing like that. It was a really, really good pinion shaft. So I got that bought from him um, and got that home. So I was just happy that I could actually find a good one. Who was the who was the Minnesota guy? Just as a shout out in case other Oliver. Yeah, it was uh, Jim Jim Benzik was his name. Where's, uh, where's Jim from? In, I I can't remember what town it was. Uh, kind of out in the country. He has his own okay um, shop out there that he put up. But his name was Jim Benzik. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so I got the pinion shaft, and then I kind of kept just working on the transmission. You know, what kind of everything everything I started pulling shafts out. Um, then finally, uh, after I got axles out, bull gears out, all the other shafts, I could finally pull the pinion shaft out. Um, and then, so I just replaced it in the opposite direction, replaced everything and going backwards. So I started with the pinion shaft, replacing the pinion shaft, uh, put in the ring gears. Then I just kept working my way up, replaced, or, uh, I basically just reinstalled some of the shafts. So the counter shaft I reinstalled, hmm. balancing shaft uh, up there, runs a hydraulic pump and stuff just reinstalled that um but uh, when i did all this i put all new bearings all new seals all new snap rings mm. so i was replacing every all the bearings snap rings the only thing i didn't replace basically was the shaft itself and let it needed to be replaced and then the gears so you're, um, you're but build- yeah, seals and everything were replaced everything like so that so you're building yourself kind of a kind of a new 1950 front wheel assist here yeah, it's essentially a brand new tractor uh, wow. from top to bottom. 
um, breed of the brakes, why the brake housings and chambers off, repack all the bearings in there, uh, new brake seals. So there was actually one seal that was leaking tranny fluid into the brake housing. So it was, you know, actually lubricating essentially the brake pads. And so got the seal replaced there. So the brake housings are a dry brake, not a wet brake. So it's supposed mm. to be dry in there. So, um, so I ended up replacing seals there, replaced axle seals, put the bull gears back in. And then, uh, while I was, had the, had the rear end apart, I replaced all the PTO clutch plates and, uh, discs in there and got the PTO then reinstalled. So hmm. did all that, uh, three uh-huh. point arms, new seals on the top lift arms. Um, what was the most uh, challenging yeah the most challenging aspect of the 1950 restoration? Looking back, would you say, Easton? Oh, well, the, the, probably the most challenging part was the probably actually the engine. Um, and it's just because it was a, I mean, it was the first complete motor overhaul I'd ever done. I was working with another guy, Paul Trapp, but he actually worked on Oliver's. So like doing the rear end and stuff, um, we had an old fish machine, which had like a diagram. So we could always go back and look to see you know, what bearings, what parts, we could always find the part number and then we could just basically send that to Agco and they would have like a crossover number. So getting all that stuff wasn't too bad. And the tranny, the tranny wasn't awful to do as far as like, we weren't scratching our heads that much. We could always keep moving. But then uh, when I was working on the engine, that was the most difficult part just cause you know, you don't have an injector pump. Um, the injectors are internal and it's like a four valve head. So you got to set everything in a specific order. Um, and then the most challenging part in this one was just getting the governor set after I totally overhauled the motor. You kind of got to set the high idle, the low idle, you got to uh, set your injector height. Um, and kind of going through that entire process was a challenge. I could, after I'd done the motor overall, I could actually could not, I was only pulling like 75 to 80 horse and I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. Well, I'd gone through and set everything according to the book, but what I didn't realize is when you change one thing, so you change your max idle, um, it's also it's also changing another thing. So you hmm. kind of got to go through that step-by-step process like four or five times to get everything set correctly. Hmm. Once I finally, once I got that figured out, and this is after talking to probably 10 guys who just direct me to another guy, you know, mm-hmm. how that goes, you kind of find a friend of a friend of a friend and finally got that all uh figured out finally and after that uh it was kind of i guess i would say more smooth sailing after that um i think you're uh, unique or or go ahead no you go ahead with your thought easton oh yeah i was just say kind of unique to this tractor was i added a three speed then as well so i was going off on a different road but uh originally what these tractors came out with was a hydropower so it's a two-speed um drive is what it is and then i ended up putting a three speed in it because my hydropower was was really warm my pressure wasn't there um and i kind of pulled it apart because i was going to look at what it would cost to rebuild it well to rebuild it it was going to be like two grand in parts Mm. and i could i ended up finding a three speed for 500 bucks that had good pressure and everything Mm. so i had i did a three speed swap on it well the thing was these these tractors never came out with a three speed on them Mm-hmm. So you have to actually grind the shaft on the three-speed back about a three-eighths of an inch, and then you have to grind the spline back to get it to actually bolt up um, hmm. to the rear flywheel housing cover, so the bell housing cover. So got all that bolted up, and then you have to add also a, a another intercooler to it so you can cool the oil. 
the hydropowers didn't have that. So it had to add a cooler up front as well. And then, uh, then I had to rework all the linkage and stuff. So I have the free speed shift on the side of the throttle, just like they would have, just like it would have had if it would have came out factory with them. Okay. So. Well, I'm curious, Easton, uh, now, of course, you're, you know, Claremont, Iowa there, you're Eastern Iowa, all over country. Um, but you mentioned, you know, friend of a friend, five, ten people. Um, were you were you finding, uh, you know, folks that have done a lot of restoration specifically on Oliver's to give you the specific help here you needed, or how did that play out? No, uh, not necessarily for the Detroit work. For for that work, I was talking to a guy down in uh, Kansas who works at a Detroit factory. Hmm. Um, and he, he was in the Oliver magazine. I found him because I, I, I talked to Sherry Schaefer, which... Sure. Um, and and uh, she had... In the magazine, there was a guy... Um, I can't. I don't know why I can't think of his name right at the moment. Um, but he had done like a, a Detroit... Setting like the valves on a Detroit, like a demonstration during like some Oliver show. So I got in contact with him through Sherry. She got me his number, and I talked to him a lot. He helped me out a lot about these. And then just also on Facebook is kind of where I look to. Like these, I know there's a guy who pulls with uh, like 1950s. He's got like a Kaksha and then an Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked to him because you know these guys are always making fuel adjustments and stuff. So. Mm. There's there's a couple guys distantly that I talked to, and then a couple guys locally. Um, one out by Charles City actually that uh, has a bunch of Detroit engines out there, and he worked in the Detroit for all his life. So I okay. talked I talked to a lot of different guys. They all had you know different ideas of what it could be, and basically, essentially, I just kind of went through every single one of their ideas, um, hmm. and finally then got it at the end. But that's in- interesting to me, Austin. Now, or excuse me, Easton, you you won the Iowa Grand Championship twice here, but I mean, there's a social aspect to these in-depth restoration jobs. No matter how much knowledge you have, you're reaching out. And I imagine these folks that you reach out to. It sounds like you know, and just knowing a lot of them myself, they're very they're appreciative of your interest and they want to help you. Um, but yeah. it's still on you to reach out to find the answers you need. So that part of the restoration, is that was that a fun part of it? I mean, getting to know these folks, or was, it, was that like I Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, those, those were really good days when you talk to them, and they could always give you more information because I was sitting here scratching my head for, you know, two, three days getting frustrated. You don't know how to figure anything out. Well, like you talk to this person, they're like, oh, well, I think it, from what you're saying, it could be this. And it's just great having a new idea to try finally instead of just continually going over what you did 50 million times in your head. And it's right. like you need some, you need that new advice and new input from somebody right. else who knows these things. Well, Easton, so it, it, I really enjoyed that part you, of it. Yeah. You know, at, at your young age and a junior in college, there, I will just tell you, you've stumbled upon a hugely important life skill because. You know, a lot of people in ag and in rural, we're independent, which is good. But like you say, we can we can sit there and beat our head against a wall. But you're reaching out to find answers, so that's uh, hats off to you for doing that and uh, finding the power of that. Did you find in general, Easton, that having worked on the 850 and the 770 Oliver, did that, or was this 1950 just its own animal, or was there much crossover? Yeah. Um. 
Well, I would say that one one thing that with the 1850, the 770 is just kind of its own mm-hmm. unique thing. Like the 770 has a different motor, different type of rear end. Um, but I, that wasn't too in depth of a restoration the 770 was. So I didn't get too deep with my cousin on that one. There's a lot of cosmetics, changing, you know, uh, you know, doing some seat, doing some stuff with the seat, putting on like. Uh, I put on a deluxe seat and then uh, a wide front on that one as well. Okay. But and when I got to the 1850, that's where I kind of really got a huge like I, I learned so much about the tractor um, and just like the type of rear ends they have and then like power steering systems that the stuff from the 1850 transferred over to the 1950. Okay. The 1850 like it had the they have the same rear ends. Um, I mean your dash, your consoles. It's very similar. Okay. When the motor, the motor is different on it, but like Oliver in the 1750, I mean even in the 1650, through about like the 2150, I think maybe I think maybe even the 2255 too. Like they use the you know hydropower, they use three speeds, which that stuff is kind of all interchangeable. So kind of having that knowledge base from the 1850 uh, also helped a ton on this on this okay. 1950, just doing the restoration. Now, Easton, what was the the timing element of this? Because of course, COVID kind of slammed us, and and I was the Iowa State Fair was it canceled, or did did this competition just not take place in 2020, or were you planning to have the 1950 ready for 2020? Yeah, yeah. So my plan was when I first started the restoration, my plan was okay, I'm going to get it done, I'm going to do it, show it in 2020 right away after uh, in June actually it got canceled I think they did end up having like a few cattle shows and stuff yeah. like that but I, the ag mechanics division was canceled totally okay. I know that for okay. a fact and they didn't have any of the vendors and stuff like that there so it was essentially canceled besides a few shows yep. um, cattle and animal shows um, but my original plan yeah was to have it restored by then now I don't think that now looking back on it I don't think I would have had it done in time Okay. Just because I ran into more issues than I was like expecting starting the restoration. So you, when I mean, when I would constantly run into a new issue, that would have taken time, and I wasn't gonna rush the restoration or cut corners just to have it done in time for the 2020 fair because I knew I could show yet in 20. You know, I knew I could show yet in 2021. Okay. So uh, my original plan was to have it do a one-year project, but it turned into a two-year project real quick. It's so you kind of my. You weren't uh, you weren't deterred or like ah screw it uh, I, this is good I'll just finish this but and as, I just asked because as busy as you are with your studies uh, but you were determined to get it ready for the 2021 state fair yeah yeah for sure well in twenty in twenty twenty so the summer twenty twenty I got a lot of headway done um, I don't take summer classes so summer was kind of my time to you know work as a CNA. Sure. And then kind of do this as well on top of it, race oil tractor. So I'd work a day as a CNA, and then the next day I'd do the tractor and vice versa and whatnot, or work mornings on the tractor, go to work at night as a CNA or whatever. But kind of what happened was uh, during the summer of 2020, that's when I ran into like all my four-wheel drive problems that I did not Mm -hmm. know that I had. Um, I'd end up replacing the front differential and uh, uh, in the front wheel drive and I went through the entire front hubs and stuff in there. When I was doing the rear end, I guess kind of a part I forgot was they have, you have your four-wheel drive transfer case that I completely went through and rebuilt. Hmm. The four-wheel drive wasn't working when I bought it and I had to figure that out. 
essentially what happened was something in a transfer case, uh, the shift lever actually had gotten flipped 180 degrees, so it wasn't even shifting in its groove at all. Hmm. So I, I ended up splitting the tractor so I could pull the transfer case off and get, I, I went through the transfer case, rebuilt it, put new bearings in while I did it and got everything lined up like it was supposed to be. So okay. now that's all working. Uh, but then in summer 2020, I did a lot of uh, painting as far as the, I started painting the entire frame of the tractor, the rear end. Um, I painted the engine hanging in the air, so hmm. I didn't even put the engine in before I painted it because kind of what I learned from previous restorations is the, like the more you can have a part and paint it separately, the better. It just looks a lot better and you can get in all those tight areas hmm. like a lot better. So I painted basically, you know, it was up on jack stands and I basically had the tub connected and the rear end connected and that was about it. Okay. All the parts and stuff I'd paint hanging, you know, the hmm. way it's, everything was basically painted, painted hanging. Um, but in the summer of 2020, I got like rims and stuff painted, got the tires and rims back on it and, and basically got the engine in it. Okay. Um, so I think at the end of the summer of 2020, I did have it running. Uh, that wasn't running correctly, but I did have it running. I couldn't, I was lacking horsepower, like I said, yep. which I didn't actually figure out until like the summer of 2021. So it's actually the spring. So this past spring, when I got back from college in May, again, I kind of hit it hard, um, yep. especially on the body work aspect. So that was my summer of 2021 was more getting the body work stuff finalized um, and getting, you know, all, you know, welded where it needed welded up you know, put some fiberglass and bond to where it needed it, um, straightening out sheet metal, doing all that and did all the body work in the summer 2021. Got that put on, got my horsepower issue figured out. And then it's just doing all that cosmetic, cosmetic things. So hydraulic lines um, and kind of getting all that stuff finished up mm. and put together decals. I put a ROPS bar on it, uh, new tires. So it was kind of that aspect of summer 2021. Okay. That's kind of what I did. And the Iowa State Fair, that was August, what was that, uh, August 10th or something, 15th, middle of August? Yeah, it was right around there. Yep. Okay. August 10th, 11th, right around that area. I had it done in in July, though. I had it done on July, uh, July 15th is when I had it done. I had the county fair on July 17th. Um, Okay. But, so that was, I had Fayette County Fair, um, and I did that on uh, July 17th. But okay. I had to have it done because I had ACL surgery. Uh, I tore my ACL in college. Well, I saw uh, in so the... I had So I had ACL surgery. That's why I had a knee brace on stuff at State Fair. So wow. State Fair was actually the first time I got to drive the 1950. Um, huh. I was finally able to at least bend my knee enough to where I could run the clutch. So that was the first time I was, I was able to drove it since I had restored it. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you, Easton, I saw in the picture from the Iowa State Fair when you had the uh, the trophy, the grand champion there. Yeah, your knee looked like you you maybe had some a knee work going there. But, uh, wow, that's, yeah. that's an amazing – I'm just curious at the fair there, you know, you've had this experience, you know, twice now being grand champion. Uh, yeah. And tell people that aren't familiar with the Iowa State Fair, you you kind of qualify at the local level, and then you you go to the state fair. And, and what goes into that competition there? I mean, do you have to do interviews? You have to put like books together, videos. What what's involved? Yeah, so it's it's really a lot of it's kind of up to you what you want to do for it. Um, yeah. Obviously, the more work you do, the better the better you're going to do at the fair. Um, so what I did is I put, I kind of put together two books. I put together one book with pictures basically showing a step-by-step process 
um, I kind of type up like a little a uh, little blurb on every page explaining kind of a brief summary of what I'm doing so people can kind of get a timeline, uh, a look at what I did. And then I, in another book, I uh, keep every single one of my receipts for the tractor. So everything I buy, nuts, bolts, mm. filters, you know, bearings, whatever, all that's documented on receipts. I have a receipt book then where I put all my receipts um, in a book um, and then do a cost summary analysis so you can see well how much did he spend on the engine overhaul and you can you can go back look at the receipts and then compare it to the summary and be like oh yep you can see here he bought you know you know he bought an overhaul kit for it with the pistons and stuff but here he bought bearings separately or you know okay. he had crank work done at Arnold Motors and stuff so hmm. you kind of see all that stuff um, you know, all the painting stuff, costs and stuff is in there as well. So even um, here, then, oh, go ahead. And then one other thing that I put in that book is like a, basically a time log. So every single day that I worked on it, and like the, every single hour I worked on it. So wow. I, put, I, I have a day by every single day that I worked on it. I wrote down when I got home, you know, what I did on that day and how many hours I spent. So I could, so, you know, when people want to know, well, how many hours do you have in the restoration? You can be like, I have this many hours and here's what I did on this day and you kind of have proof of it. And so. what is what is the total number of hours you put into this Grand Champion Oliver 1950 Easton? Yeah, so I have exactly 850 documented hours in it uh, that I spent on the restoration. So 850 hours myself. Now if I had to estimate, you know, you have help and cheap metal on, I had some help doing engine and training work when you're, you know, a lot of times you run this chariot and stuff, it takes, you know, a couple guys um, there. So I would guess around total, I would guess 1,300 to probably 1,500 hours total wow. with all the manpower. But by myself, I have 850 documented hours, and that how, was shown in my book. So. How did that compare to your grand champion 1966 yeah. over 1850? In the 1850, when I won in 2019, I had 400, and I think it was like 450 hours. So it's okay. about double. About double. 1950. So if someone, so I thought the 1850 was a big project. If someone would have told you up front when you bought it from Michigan, got it home that day, uh, hey, Easton, this is going to take twice the hours, would you have, would, how would you have taken that news at that time? Like, bring it uh, on. I would have thought they were crazy. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I've been like, no way. I've been like, no way it's going to be take me twice as long. Like, I already did one. This one should go a little smoother and a little quicker. And I don't think I have that many problems with it. Like, I was like, maybe a motor overhaul and maybe, you know, power string I'll figure out. But I think the transmission's good. It shifts through the gears fine and it drives fine. Okay. Um, but I, I would have said they're crazy. Okay, but now I have that's a, just that you don't know until you get into it. Right. So a question for you, Easton. Now, you mentioned uh, you're studying also uh, psychology. Is that like a minor at college? Yeah, a psychology minor, yep. Okay, so a question for you. As you go through these these restoration projects, 450 hours two years ago when you were grand champion, 850 hours on this one. I mean, just shoot me straight here. Are there points where you get just kind of ticked off or tired or, or not? Or do you look at it like this is a puzzle and I'm doggone and I'm going to fix it? Uh, I, there's some both, there's some of both for sure. Um, when I, I'd say probably the more times when the frustration occurs is when you're near in the end, you got a deadline, you're like, Oh, I got to be the fair at this day, but you're still behind. It's like, shoot, man, I got to I got to get going. Yep. Um, so that's where more of the frustration comes in and you're like, Oh man, that sucks. But 
it's also during at the same point in time when you have a little bit more time you're not you're not struggling to try to get it finished right um it's more that well yeah i can take the time to figure this out um and there's you hit you hit both points many times throughout a restoration that's for sure i found that out but well, um, it, it, it's been smoother with everyone I've done, I would say. Okay. Um, I, like on, on the very first tractor, I had the wiring, the 1650, I had the wiring harness burn up on me the night before that I'm supposed to take it to the county fair. Mm. So and there's some stressful points and it's like, well, do I even want to, do I, do I want to do it again, again, you know, mm-hmm. because of how stressful it gets. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, once you get it totally done, it's, it's, you're like, yeah, it's, it's a no brainer. You want to do another one. So, I, I know you, I, I know. mean, obviously five tractors later, right. here well, we are. Well, Easton, I know you know this and you probably had a lot of people tell you this, but I think what you've done with these projects, seeing them through to fruit, you know, to completion and fruition, there, there just can't be any better life practice both business-wise for whatever you get into and also personally uh, dealing with these challenges and frustrations. And so hats off to you for what you've done there. I'm just curious, at the State Fair, uh, what is that like? You're stand, you, are you there every day of the fair kind of standing by your tractor representing, talking to people as they come by, or how does that? Um, it, it could be if you want it to be, but the state fair is like a week and a half long. And oh, I actually okay. moved back to college the weekend. I moved back the same weekend that I was showing. So I showed on a Friday and I moved back to college on a Sunday. Okay. So I wasn't able to stay down there the whole entire fair. But what I kind of do is usually what happens is you take the tractor down on Tuesday, the Tuesday before the fair starts. Um, you show on a Friday. So on Thursday, I go down to the fair and I do all my prep work on a tractor. I do any touch-up painting on the cast pieces where it needs it yep. um, that I notice. So I'll mix up paint down there and take a little tiny little brush and go around it and do all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, I'll give it, you know, its final wash, wax job, kind of get it all roped off, everything with my books organized and whatnot and kind of get everything ready. Then on Friday, I came back, got judged. Um, I stay with the tractor all day um, on Friday. You okay. can usually judge in the morning. Judging is done. Usually it was done by like 10.30. This year it started at like 8 o'clock. It was done by 10.30. Okay. Um, but I stayed by there. And kind of the reason I did that, I kind of found out too on the 1850s, a lot of times you'll have the judges circle back around, hmm. which is what I found out on this one again because they kind of end up picking the champion of each class. There's four different classes of tractors out at the state fair. Okay. Um, one of the classes is a group exhibitor class. You have a first year exhibitor class. You have a, another class that's 1958 and older. So it's based off the year of the tractor. And then the class that I was in was the 1959 and newer. Okay. So they pick a winner of each class and will come back around judges will, and they'll pick an overall grand champion mm. is what they will. So out of the four winners, all the judges will combine and then they go around and they share their input. You know, they kind of, end up voting each judge i guess cast their own ballot of what tractor they think should win and that's okay. kind of what happens majority majority wins at the end um, okay. for overall so that's kind of what happened as they came back shoko around the judges actually um you know they wanted me to stay away for a little bit yep. they wanted to converse talking about the tractor going around pointing out things to each other amongst themselves yep. and then uh they brought me in and uh I actually had made up a little video um, of the tractors of time lapse uh, mm. videos of me painting it 
uh, the restoration, you know, the rear end going together. I had some time lapse on there. Um, I showed them that, and then they had me get up and start it for the judges um, okay. as well, the entire group, so they could hear it run and hear all the engine sounds and everything like that. So, well, was that yeah, the then, was that the deal yeah. closer when they heard that '66 model uh, 1950 front wheel assist diesel fire up? That was a uh, a good closing argument. Yeah. Yeah, that was, it, then I kind of knew, then I kind of was like, yeah, I'm probably, I did well in my class, I kind of knew that, because they had all circled back around, they don't circle around everyone, because sure. they don't have time, but it's kind of then when I got, I had one judge come up to me, he's like, hey, Ethan, you want to you wanna hop up there and and, uh, and, ro- and roll some coal for us, yeah. is what he actually said, it was yeah. kind of funny, Yeah. Uh, but yeah, started up and it's yeah, it's kind of it's 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 an adrenaline rush. Mm. Uh, well, sure. how important in the judging is the and obviously, I mean, our listeners can tell you and I could tell three years ago when we did the YouTube video and you were a senior in high school. You're very well spoken, good eye contact. Uh, you listen and uh, but is that a major component of this? I mean, obviously the work you did, but. It's okay. got to be important when they ask questions and how you respond. What, what's your take on that, having won twice? Yeah, no, it's it's a big component of it. Um, so I kind of how I look at it, I won't say, I don't know what the judges have because I've never been a judge. So the judges mm-hmm. would know better of, you know, what they exactly look for. But kind of what I see is you have a cosmetic, they judge on cosmetics, they judge on the mechanical work, and they judge on your presentation. So obviously the more mechanical work uh, and then how it looks cosmetically will play into how you, uh, you know, pan out in the results and at the end, you know, what place you get. But then a big part of it, probably the biggest part of it then is the presentation. So it's it's how knowledgeable are you about your machine? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are people out there, you know, you have things higher done and if there's one kid that has something higher done versus one kid that does it all himself, like it should be, you know, you give it to the, yeah. the kid who did it himself should be the one, you know, yeah. that's uh, going to be, that's what happens. They place higher. So the more work you do yourself, um, the better off you are Okay. in the, in the, in the finishing of it and uh, the end of it. And right. obviously on my first two, I didn't win with them. I wasn't, I, I got, I was like middle of my class on both of my first mm-hmm. two restorations. And it's not because they didn't look good, and it's not because, I mean, they didn't look good, as good as, as the one sitting next to it. It was mm-hmm. more because, well, I didn't do near as much mechanical work. They were my first restoration, um, my first restoration. So I had, sure. I was basically starting from absolutely nothing. Okay. But kind of what I did, like on my very first tractor, I didn't paint the entire thing myself. I had the sheet metal hired out, and I had somebody else paint that. Mm-hmm. I painted the cast and stuff on it. Um, but I didn't do all the work okay. uh, myself on it. So I didn't paint it all myself. I I had a lot of help on it as well. It was my mm-hmm. very first one. Yep. Um, and then kind of gradually you, you learn more and then you can do more yourself. Sure. Um, which I think that's just kind of how, I mean, that's how everyone kind of does it as well. You know, right. it might take a lot of times, some people are fortunate. I think Parker came out and he was super knowledgeable. I think he had a lot of experience and, you know, doing this stuff before, but he came out and he ended up winning his first year. And then the second year he showed as well, he was able to win. Um, but, but it, it's for some, like for me, I, I, uh, I didn't know like much of anything. So on my first two tractors, it was very much so a learning experience. And it was sure. from that learning experience that I was able to come back and, Right. Um, place a lot higher than in 2019 and then again in 2021. So that's interesting, Easton. You're learning as you go, actively trying to 
uh, absorb. And the Parker you referenced, that's Parker Cray from Monticello, Iowa, correct? Yep. Yeah, Parker Gray, yep, and he's in that video as well. Yeah, he won the 20, 2017, the year before you, correct, with his international? Yeah, yeah, I think he won 20, yeah, 2018, 2018. 2018. He won 2018 with okay. that A56 Aeroflot. Yeah, that was a beauty. He brought that out that day. Uh, just curious, too, it seemed to me like your your FFA program there at uh, North Fayette Valley High School in West Union, Iowa, uh, Eastern uh with and your leader there, FFA instructor was Ryan. Is it Holthouse? Yeah, Ryan Holthouse. Yep. Yeah, it seemed like you guys really had a vibrant program. I was I was just kind of blown away by the number of kids you had out that day, and everyone brought their tractor yeah. and worked on them. Can you speak about the program there at uh, North uh, Fayette Valley yeah. High School? Yeah, I would. The, I I really uh, like our FFA program at at uh, West Union. So when I I've actually been asked many times, Valley. High school in North Fayette merged um, when I was in seventh grade. So mm. we had merged together and people were like, well, do you like it? How, how, were you happy with the merger? And I was like, well, the, probably the thing that I like the most out of it is just being able to join with the FFA program and combine our programs. Mm. Um, I would say, our, I mean, our advisor, it makes a big difference on how well motivated your vi- advisor is and how sure. passionate they are um, about what they're doing. So having a passionate advisor kind of is what got me going. I started doing a bunch of FFA contests. Um, then I was president, you know, I was an officer, then president my senior year, but just, but having kids before you that are also ambitious and are successful in it also brings in the young crowd and it attracts them because uh, they, they also want to be successful and they, they want to have the same experience that the upper class would have. So kind of just that continued, um, I mean, work ethic, passion, it just kind of keeps bringing more people in. And I think, and I'm even know now being, being out of high school for three years that there's, I mean, it's still, it's still going on. Like this year, I think when I showed just here in August, uh, we had, I think we had five tractors or something that came down, um, four or five. So, I mean, every year we have about four or five tractors and, and that's pretty good, especially coming from one, one, uh, chapter. Yeah. And that's not even that. I mean, our FFA is, I mean, our FFA expands way more than just tractor restorations, obviously. Right. We do all these contests and, and, and yeah, it just makes a huge difference having a passionate advisor and yeah. then also students, um, to get, basically act as role models for the younger, well, the younger grades in middle school. It makes a huge difference. I, I have kind of a weird observation on this Easton. Uh, when I was building my machine repeat business, when I started 30-plus years ago, I had two part-time jobs because the business was so small. But one of the part-time jobs was at the local newspaper here in Rochester as a sports reporter 30 hours a week. And so I was covering, you know, track and football and basketball, softball. And I was always curious why some programs were just better and consistently better. And when you interviewed the, the players and the coaches, you what I could always pick up on was there was a – there was a sense of tradition, expectation, and motivation back down the chain to the younger kids um, who want they wanted to grow up and be like Easton or, or Mr. Holthouse. And so I'm just curious as you now you've been Iowa Grand Champion twice. I don't know if that's ever been done before, but you did it, so hats off to you. What would you say personally? to either younger kids, say middle school or down to fourth, fifth grade, thinking about FFA, tractor restoration, um, or to parents of those kids about being involved in FFA, what would you say to them? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, if you if you think you'd be interested in it, you should go for it, try it. I, on the very first restoration, like, as you know, ah, do I, do I want to do it? I know it's going to take a lot of time. I'm, I'm busy. I do a lot of other stuff in FFA even, and I do a lot of, you know, I'm playing sports. I, you know, I'm at, and doing all this stuff academically, but I was, I'm fortunate that my, uh, my grandpa was kind of, kind of that person that was there uh, to help me do this and being able just to, like as like a parent or a grandparent being there to, uh, I kind of guess work with your kid and work through that process. That was, that was a big help for me. Um, but like my grandpa could tell that I was very interested in it. I wanted to do it, something he enjoyed. Um, so that's kind of how, kind of how I started on it. But I, I was somebody who also just looked up to the people who are older than me. So I remember when I was like, when I was had that John Deere 70, I felt, I felt like tiny compared to here, this Parker Cray, who was this, mm-hmm. you know, college, college student. And he was this big mature college student and he had this super nice tractor. Um, it was kind of like, well, I kind of talked to him and I learned a lot more about what he did and what it take to, and what it did take to, you know, win the state fair and kind of how he got there. And that's kind of, hmm. you know, I, I kind of took that advice and, um, from there, I kind of, you know, changed what I was doing. I changed what I was doing as far as my books went. I changed what I was doing mechanically. I, you know, better documentation. Uh, and then I just, I mean, you have to, you have to want to do it as a big thing. Right. And uh, if, if you're driven and want to do it, it's it's gonna come. I mean, it'll take right. work, and uh, it, it didn't happen overnight. But uh, the reward is uh, definitely uh, something worth waiting for. It seems far far away at times, but once you actually get there, it's uh, it's, right. it's just crazy. Well, I'll I'll say again here, Easton, and I said it at the end of the video we did three years ago that what you just said and what you've done and what your classmates did. Uh, I mean, frankly, that gives me hope. I mean, because you're tackling a difficult long-term project and the, the, we live in a short-term culture. Everybody wants something right now. And you're proving the value of hard work and stick to So, again, hats off to you for your beautiful job. What, I'm just curious, yeah. with your 1850 and 1950, at the fair, when you're there, now – even on that day you're there being judged, I imagine a lot of people, maybe non-egg people, or maybe their parents or their grandparents were farm on the farm. What did they say when they came up and see this beautiful 55-year-old Oliver tractor and you're standing by it? I bet you had some interesting conversations. Oh, yeah. You get people from all different backgrounds that would stop and talk. You'd have some people come up and you could tell they're very knowledgeable and, and they know a ton about like your specific tractor, you know, uh, just like the mechanics behind it. And they'll ask you super intricate questions. Oh, oh what'd you do? How'd you set this on the engine? Or because when I did it, I did this and they'd bring in their own experience. And then you'd have just people that are more just, you know, some state fair goers that are just amazed by it. I had a big before picture just uh that was yeah. staked out in front of my tractor i was like wait was this the same tractor <laughs> and it's just like more of an amazement uh side for them like yeah. oh how did you take that and make it look like that and that's without them even knowing all the mechanical stuff that was done underneath they're just right i mean there's some people that are just straight up amazed by just the cosmetics just what it looks like differently cosmetically but yet that's just a small portion of it that's right. 
you know, that's maybe maybe 150 to 200 hours of the labor when there's right. another 600 to 700 hours that's left, you know, that's all right. that, that I guess it wouldn't get credit for unless people actually know, you know. Right. So it's, you get, yeah, but you got people from all sorts of, uh, all different areas asking you questions and, you know, just being able to talk is just a great thing, you know, and right. just give more knowledge to, I mean, whoever comes by. Right. I learned, I mean, I learned even different things about um, other people's experiences. Um, guys talking about their tractors or their yeah. grandpa that had this tractor. And I remember farming, I was on one of these tractors for, you know, days uh, right. on end making hay in the summer. So it's kind of right. cool to hear other people's stories about their experience on the, the actual tractor that I had down there. So. Right. Well, two, two observations I would have, Easton. One is I think it makes people happy to see, you know, guy like me in my mid fifties, but to see a young person interested in these, these older model tractors. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to see. And the other thing is you took, you know, this tractor out of Michigan that was made, sounds like maybe on its last legs type of thing. And you, you made it like new. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing that you did there. Now I did have a little birdie tell me, or you'll have to sh- tell me if I'm incorrect here, Easton. But are you you're looking to sell this Oliver 1950 Grand Champion tracker? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I've kind of I've kind of throwing out that idea of selling it. I'm in college right now, so yeah. I have another four years left, and I'm not sure I'll be I'll be busy, obviously, with uh, doing clinical rotations and all that for the next four or five years. Um, right. And this with this tractor, I mean. It's a, it's definitely a lot of memories associated with the tractor, a lot of time, a lot of hours. Right. Um, it wasn't a family tractor. I bought it to restore. Yep. Um, but kind of kind of the idea is to sell it, maybe uh, to help get me through college, sure. you know, paying sure. for college myself. So I'm looking to kind of sell it to get some more funds, pay for grad school. Uh, grad school doesn't really give out much scholarships and right. many scholarships like they do in undergraduate. So I'm kind of looking ahead for that. And I know that the biggest, uh, the thing that hurts a tractor most is sitting, sitting. And right. I know that unfortunately I know, I mean, I know that this tractor would sit for the next four years and it would it'd get some hours, you know, but it really yeah. wouldn't, uh, get as many hours as it should, you know. Um, right. So I'm kind of looking, you know, to sell it, you know, somebody that'll appreciate it and sure. uh, show it off. You know, that's kind of that's what I'd like to do. But frankly, I'm not at home. I'm I'm going to be in college for the next four years, and and right. we're not. And this is an attractor that's, I guess, maybe practical for mm-hmm. our farming operation or what we want to do. Um, yep. I mean, the 1850 is more practical for us making hay and stuff. The 1950 would be an okay hanging tractor, but the front wheel is there and it's kind of got more of a rare factor as well yeah. to it. So uh, yeah. somewhere we'll, we, I just kind of figure, you know, if it's, if it's going to go to someone who's going to appreciate it and appreciate everything that was done to it, that's kind of that's kind of what me and my grandpa would like to see. And sure. uh, I obviously talked it over with my grandpa and uh, other people who have helped me a lot on this tractor right. and say that uh, we kind of came to that conclusion. I know that they're all, I know that some would say to keep it, um, 
and and I and I tr- trust me, I've thought about that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at this time, uh, putting it up for sale to somebody who you know is a collector is going to appreciate right. it, be able to show it off, take it in parades, right. um, things like that would be would would be really cool. And I mean, that's where I would like to see it, anyways. Well, it's, in some in hands like that. Yeah, I, I hear Easton. I mean, to me, it sounds like you you're actually again, even at your young age, junior in college, you're you're bringing a wise long-term view to this whereas again yeah you can keep it but um you know the desire to have it go to someone who you know maybe at a different point um and can love it and use it appreciate it whatever um now we do have it listed in our machinerypeat.com website so if you're listening to the podcast folks just go to machinerypeat.com and you know search through to the oliver 1950 there and, and get ready for your eyeballs to be amazed at this beautiful <laughs> tractor, it is something. Now, uh, price-wise, you've got it listed uh, eighty-five thousand. Is that the number, Easton? Yeah, it's at eighty-five thousand. I'm over into offers too. Um, sure, but yeah, that's where I'm starting at. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I think again, hearing what you went, uh, the lengths you went to to bring this tractor back to like new condition. I mean, there's just no shortcuts at all in there. Easton, I mean the the time element and the and the research and and the validation, frankly, of you know standing there at the state fair and yep, this is it, folks. This is the grand champion. Uh, now the 1850. Did you sell that one or do you still have that one? No, yeah, we still have it. Um, okay, we still are using the 1650 on the farm every day, and we're we're using that 1852. I I bail you with it and okay. do stuff like that. So we we're still using we're still using those on our farm. Um, and like I said, we would we'd definitely uh, be more apt to keep this if it was more practical for our farming operation. Sure. We like to restore them, but we like we like to use them with care. I guess is how right. I would say it. None of that, you know, driving under tree branches that are hanging over your field or anything like that. It's you know taking care of them, washing them all the time. And, right. But the worst thing you can do with the tractor is let it sit because it just deteriorates faster than right. it would if you were using it. So that's kind of kind of how we uh, look at it. Right. And also, uh, we uh, we actually got another tractor. Uh, we just my uh, grandpa and I just got an Oliver twenty six fifty five. They got articulating four wheel drive. We just got one of those here in September, and uh, that's kind of the next one on the list that we're kind of looking to do is uh, is fully restore that one. And I'm not planning on taking it to fair, but we're just planning on restoring it for. Uh, Kind of, kind of for the fun of it, and just to get another restoration. We, we like Oliver's. We saw this one pop up on Craigslist, and we're like, "Do we want to own the biggest Oliver tractor that they ever made?" Well, why not? So it was the right price, and uh, ended up ended up uh, getting that one. So that's kind of the next one on the list. So wow, we kind of we kind of find our joy in you know working on them and restoring them and changing them and making them you know go from you know what they look like to start to to finish. So. It's kind of nice saving, you know, saving those old tractors and just changing the way they look. So finding your joy, I, I love that, Easton. Uh, that's fantastic, and I, th- I would have to comment from my where I sit in my chair. I think again, you're you and your grandpa are are spot on. I mean, I'm sure you had a sense that that 1950 front wheel assist. I mean, the cool factor on it is off the charts. It's it's that's you know that open station front wheel assist rare and. You just brought that back to life. And now I've been reporting that these vintage four-wheel drives are, you know, the interest in them is skyrocketing. So here again, you're kind of ahead of the curve. So please keep me posted, Easton, on how you're coming along with your 
2655 there. I think a lot of people will be interested. Uh, and again, you, you mentioned up front, you've had people maybe, you know, advising or teasing or just being real and saying, geez, Easton, maybe you want to just do tractor restorations for your career. Uh, and again, it's, you're, you're looking at it as being a piece of, of what you do going forward, a hobby, a joy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking to I'm looking to do it on you know on the side. I've had I've had multiple people ask me. I got a tractor, you know. You wanna you wanna redo that one? Um, for me, I, there's so many people that have asked me already to do tractors. I probably I already know that I have tractors probably waiting. Um, but I mean, at this time, I need to finish school, and I I'm not I won't I haven't done one for hire yet. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you know I get out of get out of school and get a job and have some free time. I'm yeah. not saying I want you know take on one every year or something. Yeah. Try to restore it for someone else, but uh, it's too busy right now for me to be able to commit fully to doing it. And I and I we you know want to do something for somebody else, especially right. So right. it's just something where it's not quite in the right timing, but maybe down the road here in a few years, it could be a possibility. Well, Easton Halverson, I tell you what, uh, on behalf of all our listeners and our, our machine repeat followers and just egg folks all over North America, congratulations on your two-time yeah. Iowa Thank grand you. champion restoration and hats off for that. Just amazing work you did. And thank you so much for taking time with your busy schedule and your, uh, your medical studies there to tell us the story on these tractors. Yeah. And again, folks, Easton's uh, beautiful 1966 Oliver 1950 front wheel assist diesel. Um, it's for sale. Just go to machinerypeat.com, check it out. Those contact information, you can get a hold of Easton there. Um, and I, I'll just verify. I mean, I, I've been doing this 32 years. This tractor is as nice as you're ever going to find with the st best story behind it you're ever going to. I mean, a young guy like Easton doing this, it's as good, good as it gets, folks. So reach out. If you're, if you're looking for a tractor like this, you'll never find a better one. So, Easton, thank you again so much. Best of luck with your studies. I hope your knee feels better. And uh, Thank you very much. You keep me posted on that 2655. All right, buddy? I will do that. Thank you very much. Well, folks, there you go. I, I told you you were going to enjoy that interview with Easton Halverson from Claremont, Iowa. Not much more I really need to say other than, uh, again, it just gives me so much hope. To, to interact, to find young people like this, and to see how they roll. You know, frankly, our country is pretty messed up right now. We're, we're split, we're divided, we're tearing each other apart. And it, we all know it's just not right. But, uh, and people, I get tired of people carping on the future. Oh, America, our future, blah, blah, blah. That's a bunch of hooey. We, you look at young people like Easton Halverson, that's our future. People you know, like that, that found a passion working with his grandpa, restoring tractors, and then obviously, you know, head of his FFA chapter there at North Fayette Valley High School in West Union, Iowa, goes on to college studying medicine, um, and you heard Easton talk about his plans there. But in amongst that busy schedule, finding the joy and accepting the challenge of taking a tractor that's, you know, kind of semi ready for the scrap heap and, and working on it 850 hours 
with no guarantee of any ribbons or trophies, nothing. Just, I'm going to do this. And he did it. And that is why I see young people like this all over the country, wherever I go. And uh, so, again, I, I hope you found hope and uh, joy in this interview with young Easton Halverson. And we wish him, uh, you know, tremendous success in his career. And, again, this tractor, this grand champion, 1966 Oliver 1950 front-wheel assist, it's for sale. So, folks, go to our website, machinerypeat.com. And there's different ways you can find it. You can just go right to the search by keywords. Just type in Oliver 1950, and it's going to pop up. And dive into the pictures uh, on this thing. And tell your friends about it over coffee and uh, or email chains, whatever. The, the work this young man did on this tractor, it needs more recognition. And for, for anybody looking for the nicest vintage muscle, you know, Highest on the cool factor you can get a 1950 front wheel assist open station. I mean, like new condition, here's your chance, folks. And again, uh, you can contact Easton and, and, you know, talk about the tractor and purchasing it. So, again, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And I tell you, we got a few more fun stories coming and we'll get these out to you quicker. So, again, hey, thanks for listening to the Machine Repeat podcast. Uh, until next time, folks, I will see you out at the sales. 